open up your Bibles to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Juan chapter 10, all right? Does anybody else feel really dusty from all the wind? I do. I feel like my lips are dry and my nose is like boogery. Blech. I feel like I've been at Wagon Train for a week. It's gross. Ew, Wagon Train's gross. All right. So we're going to be in John chapter 10 tonight. You guys might remember we were in John 10 a couple weeks ago talking about Jesus said, I am the door or I'm the gate, depending, hold on, hold on, depending on what translation you have. And we're going to continue a little bit in John Chen, John Chen, John 10 in a little bit. But first I have a question for you guys. Wasn't Emma great last week? She was. She was. I heard her in high school. It was awesome. All right. What a great reminder that she had for us that we don't need to be anything but someone who is connected and in love with Jesus. That's an incredible reminder, an incredible encouragement for us because so often we get wrapped up in trying to be the best and do the most. And uh, man, when we try to find identity in doing and being, uh, we fail every time. But when we find our identity in loving and staying connected to Jesus, that's a beautiful thing. So Emma did an awesome job sharing that with us tonight. How many of you guys, have you ever lend it, lent something to a friend, something that maybe you cared about, right? Maybe a book or something? Why are you laughing? Just anything. It doesn't have to be a book. You lent something to a friend, and it, it came back in less than perfect condition, Anybody have that experience? All right. Maybe you, so you lend a, a book to a friend or a movie and the movie or the, like the Xbox disc got all scratched up or you, you lend them a pair of underwear and they get them all dirty. No? You guys have, okay, good, good. That was a test, Bradley. All right. That was a test. Okay. No, no. We, we know that feeling, right? Like, we, a friend wants to borrow something of ours, and it's something that we care about, and when they give it back, man, it's just not in the same condition, right? Right? Like your American girl doll, it comes back, she's got a new, like, A-line bob haircut, she's missing an arm, and she's goth now. She's got, you know, and like, your friend just gave her a total makeover. Girls, you guys know what American girl dolls are, right? Okay, I was just checking, because I didn't want you to assume I was only talking to the boys, so, huh? Like, like the combat Carls. Combat Carls. Don't know. So, have any of you ever been that friend that borrowed something and maybe didn't care about it as much as the owner? Yeah, we all can admit that. We all can admit that, right? We're all, yeah, you're lying, okay? You don't borrow things. That's good, right? But we know that feeling of like, man, if something doesn't belong to us, we just don't care about it as much. And the things that do belong to us, man, when somebody else uses them, it's just they don't seem to take as good of care of our things as we would have, right? So tonight we're going to be talking about what Jesus said about himself, and we're going to be talking... This idea, I want you guys to keep in mind this idea of when you own something or when someone has ownership 
of something, when something or someone belongs to someone else. Last week, part of what Emma talked to us about was that we belong and stay connected to Jesus, and we're going to continue to talk about belonging to Jesus tonight. So I'm going to read from John chapter 10, all right? And we've got just kind of this whole bulk of the chapter that we're going to read at one time. I'm going to read it kind of slowly because what I want you guys, don't scribble in where you answer your small group journaling questions. You need that space for later because those are questions that you ask, answer, not ask. You answer, all right? But you want to leave that space blank. So here's your job as we read this passage. I want you guys to listen closely to what I'm saying and follow along on your outline and underline or circle any word that Jesus says he does as an action, okay? I believe that's called a verb. Am I right? It's been a long time since I was in school. A verb is an action word. It's been a long time since I've been in school. A noun is a person, place, or thing. And an onomatopoeia is a word that makes a sound, like fart or moo. I find fart to be funnier. Okay, listen up. John 10, verses 11 through 8. Follow along and underline any word that Jesus says he does as an action. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he is not their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and they know me. Just as my father knows me, and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, too, that are not in this sheepfold, I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again, for this is what my Father commanded. Did you guys get them all? Did you get a lot of them? All right sacrifices, right? Uh, I know my sheep. I don't know if no is a verb. I guess it is, right? I sacrifice, right? Sacrifice. He says sacrifice a lot, right? So that's what we're going to talk about tonight is the way that Jesus shows his love for us and how we belong to him through his actions, right? So here's the deal, guys. I grew up on a farm, and uh, I grew up on a farm near here, just on the other side of uh, the San Joaquin River in Madera, 7628 Highway 99, Madera, California, 93637 was my address growing up. It's only about 15 minutes from here, but here's the reason why I say that, okay? So I grew up, Um, I didn't have any neighbors because I grew up on this farm. And uh, there was this house, the closest house to my house was about a mile away, maybe not quite a full mile away, but pretty close to a mile away. It was on the other side of our property, and they had the property connected to ours, all right? 
So we had a larger piece of property. Then there was this pretty small farm, and no one lived in the house. No one lived there, and my dad actually worked that farm as well. So that house that was the closest to my house sat abandoned. No one lived in it. And I remember one night when I was about your guys' age, maybe a little bit younger, that my parents had gone, I don't know, out to dinner and to a movie or something. They had gone out on like a parent date. Maybe they were going to pay their taxes or something. And so they had like a babysitter come and stay with my brother and I for a few hours because we weren't old enough. I must have been a little younger than you guys because we weren't old enough yet to stay home alone, right? And so it was like fall, so it got darker earlier at night. And uh, I remember like playing out in our like front yard and we were playing and whatever. And I remember seeing flashlights over at that other house. We called that house John's as if it belonged to John. You guys get that? Because the guy that owned it, his name was John. So that's why we called it that. It was clever. So I said to the babysitter, there's flashlights over at John's. And she looks and goes, okay. And I go, there shouldn't be. And she's like, okay. And I said, someone needs to check that out because there shouldn't be anyone over there. And she goes, okay. And I started to pick up on the fact that she probably wasn't going to go over there and do anything about it, right? I'm like, you don't want to? And she was like, no, it's okay, right? So my parents get home, and I recently brought this story up to my parents, and I was like, hey, do you guys remember uh, when John's house got broken into? And uh, they were like, yeah, yeah, we kind of remember that. And I was like, you guys have been out. We had a babysitter. And uh, I told the babysitter, you know, that there was something wrong, that there shouldn't be lights on over at John's. And, and uh, my mom was like, yeah, you know, actually, when, like, when we got home and you and your brother were already asleep, she told us that, you know, there were lights on over there. But, and, and honestly, I, there's, looking back, like, I wouldn't expect her to do anything. She was probably, like, in high school. And what was she going to do? Like, go over there and, like, do some kung fu on some. But it turned out the next day, my dad went and checked it out the next day, and John's house had, in fact, been broken into, which sucked for the burglars because it was an abandoned house. It didn't have anything in it. I don't know what, if they wanted, like, old carpet and some dead rats or something. They got him, okay? But here's the thing that, the, here's the reason I tell that story. is See, our babysitter, she didn't care because it didn't belong to her, Right? And now that house didn't belong to my dad, but our family had a little bit of a responsibility to that house because the guy that owned it paid my dad to work the farm, right? So my dad, had he been home, he might have gotten, you know, in his truck and driven by it and been like, yep, someone's breaking in and like called 911. I don't know what he was going to do either, but the babysitter, she wasn't going to do anything about it, right? And we all have times in our lives where we talked about this just a minute ago. If there's something that you lend to a friend, they're just not going to protect it the way that you would want to protect it. Or if a friend lends you something, you're just not going to take as good of care of, of it as they might. Someone lends you their precious Harry Potter DVD collection and you just want to watch them. You don't care. You're not going to take care of them, right? And that's because, guys, we love what belongs to us. We love what belongs to us. That's your first fill-in that you can write in. We love what belongs to us. When something isn't ours, we don't care about it as much. 
right? And the reason I bring up this idea of a babysitter is because it gives us a great illustration of what we're talking about tonight. Like a babysitter taking care of you, they have rules for you, but the only reason they have rules is because they're the rules that your parents told them, and they just want to get paid, right? They don't have rules because they want you to grow up healthy. I mean, they might care about you, but at the end of the day, they just want the check for $30 so they can go home, right? But your parents, they have rules for you because they care about you, and they want to protect you. In that passage that we just read, it talked about a good shepherd versus a hired hand. And I want to explain that to you real quick. The shepherd was the person that owned the sheep. They belonged to him, and he loved those sheep. He said, these are my favorite sheep. And the hired hand was just someone that he paid to help him out. Do you guys get that? So the passage tells us that when there's that group of sheep and a wolf starts to come along and the hired hand sees the wolf coming, what does the hired hand do? He runs away because he's like, these sheep ain't worth my life. I'm out of here. He gets to dipping, right, because he doesn't care about the sheep. He's not going to put his life on the line for some dumb sheep, right? But the shepherd cares about those sheep. The shepherd owns the sheep. The sheep belong to that shepherd, and he's willing to stop at nothing to protect them. So when the shepherd sees that wolf coming, he places himself in between the wolf and the sheep to protect them, right? And in this illustration, if that wolf attacks, that shepherd is willing to sacrifice himself to protect his sheep. He's willing to take the pain that might have been inflicted on those sheep and have it be inflicted upon himself so that his sheep are okay. Similar to going back to the idea of a burglar. If someone is going to break into my house, they're not going to get to my kids because I'm going to burn the world down before that happens. And you better believe it because as parents, we care about the people that belong to us. There is no way that someone could get to my children. Unless I was like halfway around the world. Because I'm going to stop at nothing to place myself in between my kids that I love that belong to me and the things that could harm them. Right? Because they belong to me. And what Jesus is saying in this passage when he calls himself the good shepherd is he's not actually being a shepherd. He says that you are his sheep and he's saying that you belong to him. And he calls himself the good shepherd because he wants you to understand that there's wolves in life, the wolves of death, of sin, of shame, of darkness, of all of the things that separate us from him. And he says, no, 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 no. Those things don't separate you from me. I separate you from those things. I stand in between you. He says, you belong to me. And because we belong to Jesus, right, Here's your next fill, and it says, we belong to Jesus, so he knows us. He knows us. You matter to Jesus enough that he would stand in between you and the dark parts of your life, stand in between you and your sin. He knows you. 
You're not just some random person that is here for no reason. You're not some random sheep. Matthew 18, 12 says, if a man has a hundred sheep, I love this picture. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? Guys, I love this picture where there's this group of 100 sheep and one of them has wandered away and doesn't know where it's at. And at times in our life, every single one of us have been that lost sheep. And this passage tells us that Jesus being the good shepherd, because he knows you, he looks at his flock, and it's like he's able to look at his flock and he goes, Emma's missing. Oh, Jake's missing. Jackson's missing. Whoever it is, AJ's missing because he knows all of us. He knows our identity, he knows who we are, and he knows when we're not there because he wants relationship with each and every single one of us. It says that that shepherd will leave the 99 others to go and find that lost sheep. Now that's where the illustration kind of breaks down because Jesus doesn't leave us to go be with other people. Fortunately, we've learned that Jesus is omnipresent, right? Or God's omnipresent, that's the omnipresent part of God is that he's everywhere. And so he doesn't have to leave us, but what it's saying is that I know you enough that I want to go get you, I want to find you, and I want to bring you back to where you're supposed to be instead of letting you be lost. And also, when the wolves in our life come, we belong to Jesus, so he lays down his life for us. He lays down his life for us because he knows us and he loves us and we belong to him right? That hired hand that we talked about, maybe those are just people in your life that like you. We're not talking about people that dislike you. Those are the people that could get something out of being around you, right? If I hang out with you, I've got a good friend. Maybe you buy me a bag of Funyuns every once in a while. That's awesome. But when bad stuff comes, those people in our lives that just like us, they run away, right? They run away. Those are those hired hands in our lives, those people that are only around us to get something from the relationship that they have with us. They're just saying, hey, I'm cool to hang out with you as long as it's easy, as long as the wolves don't come, as long as there's nothing in your life that's hard to deal with. But when those things happen, man, those people, they're not going to lay down their life for you. They're going to disappear, right? And unfortunately in life, we're more like hired hands to most people. It's just true. Now the people who love you in your life, your family, your best friends, man, they may be like a shepherd, more of a shepherd to you. They may say, hey, when those things come in your life that are hard to deal with, I'm going to put myself right there next to you. And as those things get close, and if those sins are getting close to you, I'm going to try and shoo them away. I'm going to scare them away because I don't want you to have to deal with those bad things in life. Your mom and dad, that's, that's what they do all the time. My parents have done that. All of our parents have done that. They put themselves in a place where they're like, I don't, hey, sweetie, I don't want anything bad to happen to you because you're my little baby, right? Right? That's what shepherds do. They're going to sh- scare that wolf away. They're going to try and get that wolf to just run away. Just go, go, don't bother my little baby sheep. But the reality is, in this illustration, the reality is, guys, that that wolf is hungry. The wolf of sin and death is hungry, and it's not going to stop until it gets to feed. It wants to eat. Right? 
It wants to eat. It's hungry. So the people that love you in your life, that shoot away, man, that might work for a little bit, but that wolf's going to keep on coming back. There's going to be more things in your life that just keep tormenting you, keep trying to hurt you, and that at the end of the day, eventually no one's going to be able to scare those things away. So something's got to step in between you and that wolf. Something has to say, no, 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 no. I know how to defeat this, right? That's why I love, if we can put that last slide of the verse back up there. Actually, let's go to the second last slide of the verse. It's the one that starts with, I have other sheep too. It says at the very bottom, no one can take my life from me. And then the next slide says, I sacrifice it voluntarily. Guys, what Jesus is saying is, I love you so much that when I see that wolf coming, not only do I step in between you and the wolf in your life, but I'm going to let that wolf eat me. I'm going to let that wolf of sin and shame and death feed on me. I am going to die so that you don't have to. He says, I'm going to get in between you and the death that you would have if you were on your own. If you didn't have me, if you didn't belong to me, you would be surely dead. Just like a wolf, when it finds a sheep and that sheep has no one to protect it, that sheep is surely dead. Surely shorn sheep are surely dead. Is a poem I just made up. Shoot, that was good. Stop, Jackson said. All right? Do you guys understand that? And the thing that I love most about this, I want you guys to circle the part that says, I sacrifice it voluntarily. Circle that really big. Circle around it three times, guys. This is the most important part. Because so many of us, even me as a parent, when I see, th- see scary things coming in the, from, for my kids, you know what I do? I react to stop them. I overreact. I am the dad of overreactions. I don't go with my kids to playgrounds. Do you want to know why? Because I'm convinced that a strong gust of wind will come and blow them through one of the second-story openings in the playground, and I will watch them tumble to the ground. So I just don't do it. My wife can do it. She, you want to kill your kids? Good. Go. Fine. I'm not going to be a part of it. Thank you. We react, right? My kid's standing in the street. I see a bus coming. I'm going to react and push him out of the way. But Jesus says, no, I don't have to react. I saw that wolf coming a long way off. I knew it was coming. And I chose to put myself in your place. See, guys, the bottom line tonight is Jesus is the good shepherd because he chose not reacted. It's so powerful to me when I think about the fact that Jesus chose not reacted. We see Jesus in the garden right before he's arrested. We're probably going to talk about this next week, but this is a great introduction into the Easter story. We see Jesus in the garden. He's crying. He's sweating blood. He's so scared. And he says to his father, God, Father, please, if there's any way you can take this cup from me, please. But if this is your will, then that's what I'll do. Jesus is saying in that moment, listen to me, guys. What he's saying is, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do this. And the reason I'm going to do this is because I love them. And they belong to me. 
Jesus didn't save us just on a knee-jerk reaction. He saved you because he chose you, and he belo- you belong to him. So tonight, as the worship band comes out, as we're going to continue to sing as a group and worship God, I want you guys to be thinking about that. I want you guys to be thinking about the fact that Jesus loves you so much, he chose to face death. He chose to step in front of the wolves in your life, the sin, the shame, the death, and the darkness that was meant for you. And he said, no, let me be the sacrifice. And so the wolf of sin and death fed on Jesus. And for a few days, death thought it had won. It thought it was full. But as we're going to celebrate in the next two weeks, we know that's not the end of the story. And so tonight as we sing, guys, would you just lift up your voices, take a moment to just remove yourself from the rest of the people in the room, close your eyes, imagine that there's no one around you. If you've got a neighbor that just won't shut up, just move. Give yourself some space where you can reflect on Jesus who chose you because he loves you and you belong to him. Heavenly Father, God, we love you so much. Jesus, thank you for the way that you love us, for the way that you've chosen us, for saving us and being that sacrifice. Thank you for putting yourself in between us and the wolves in our life, God. Thank you that instead of that sin and death separating us from you that you said, no, no more. I'm going to separate you from your sin because I love you. Jesus, be with us tonight. Be with our groups. Give us a great discussion. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.